Hello and welcome to Trending Pet Food, the industry podcast where we cover all the latest hot topics and trends in pet food. I'm your host and editor of Pet Food Industry Magazine, Lindsay Beaton, and I'm here today with Harvey Agency President Matt McDermott. Hi, Matt, and welcome. Hello. Thanks for having me. In case you're not familiar with Matt's work, here's what you need to know. He's a creative strategist and positive skeptic who's worked in advertising and marketing for more than two decades. He's built and led multidisciplinary teams at numerous small agencies, creating award-winning work that earns attention. In 2021, he took over as president of the Harvey Agency, the longest-running female-founded advertising firm in Baltimore, Maryland history. He's continued the agency's legacy of empowerment, building an all-female C-suite team and filling 82% of management roles with women. Matt's worked with brands across industries, including Comcast Universal, Stanley Black & Decker, Johns Hopkins University, National Geographic, the Smithsonian, the U.S. Navy, and the United Way. He served on multiple nonprofit boards and committees focused on social equity, youth advocacy, and animal welfare, and has also been featured in Ad Age, Ad Week, The Baltimore Sun, The Washington Post, and a number of radio, TV, and streaming platforms. Harvey is a marketing and advertising agency that works with consumer goods, hospitality, and lifestyle brands. Matt's multi-industry experience in helping brands succeed, as well as navigating the connections between product and consumer, make him the perfect person to help me answer today's question. How might a company in the human CPG space branch out into the pet food world? I want to start our conversation by talking about some of the links between the human consumer packaged goods space and pet food, because there certainly are some. And I want to dive into those a little bit more so we can build the bridge for our conversation. So what are some of those key links that people might not be aware of? I think that the buying experience largely, believe it or not, I think it's the same in stores for the most part. Obviously, there's going to be different motivations and we're buying for a different four-legged audience, but it still comes down to the 10-3-1 model. Can you attract somebody's attention from 10 feet away? Can you get them close enough so that at three feet, they can decide between your brand products? And then finally, at one foot, if they are looking at your brand in their hand, what is the story you're telling them? Is it an ingredient story? Is it a company story? What is the story you can tell them to go from hand to cart? Key purchase decision makers too. Certainly we had a huge boost in pet ownership during COVID and therefore we had a huge boost in pet food <laughs> purchase. So your decision maker as well is going to be the same. You've got someone from the family who is buying for the family. They are picking up eggs, milk, whatever it is. The pets are as much a part of the family these days as the kids themselves. I know in our house, it's sometimes a tie between the dogs and my son. But I think that we need to understand that there is that crossover of audience I think that there's also the access. Much like other CPG brands, there are niche stores, whether it's organic or whether it's a particular type of food, prepared food, whether it's a particular type of going outside even the grocery category, whether it's a high-end product or more of a mid-level or mid-tier. Certainly the niche stores exist both in your general CPG as well as pet. 
I think also there's the distribution within big box stores, whether we're talking online or off, whether we're talking like the behemoth of Amazon or your stores like a giant or a Publix. And then finally, we're seeing more and more brands going direct to consumer. They're skipping the distribution to the retailer and they're going to tell their story and offer their product directly to the consumer. And I think COVID has certainly accelerated that. People are much more comfortable online ordering and the delivery process, the logistics, a lot of brands have become experts in that. I want to talk a little bit more about something you said. You mentioned the storytelling aspect of a product and purchasing power of the consumer and how the consumer is basically the same. The person shopping for human food is also the person shopping for pet food, because that's something that's going to be very interesting to our audience of people in the pet food industry already. What similarities have you seen in terms of the need for storytelling from a brand in the human space, because it's something that is increasingly growing in the pet space. So I'd love to hear what kind of things people are looking for in the human space. Do they want brands to tell them a story? Are they doing the same kind of research into brands and companies that they're doing in the pet food space? I think that this even goes kind of further up the tree here. We're talking about brand marketing in general and building that story regardless of what you're selling. I think the consumers are looking for authenticity. Brands nowadays have gotten wise to the fact that you really can't blow smoke. You can't pretend to be something you're not. Your products have to be true to the promise. And if they're not, it will end up on social media. It will end up in a tweet. It may end up on the news. You do not want to be behind that. I think also for me, this is even more important because before you can have a story, you need the protagonist. It's the personality of the brand. The brand is oftentimes the protagonist in that, or at least the sidekick to the consumer. And so a brand needs a personality. Otherwise, particularly in CPG, you become a commodity. And the brands that shine are the ones who've really put that story together, really put that voice together, have given a lot of thought to who they are, who they serve, and they're okay with saying, you know what, we're not for everybody. We really shine with these folks. We really can help these folks. But you know what, we may not be everyone's cup of tea or cup of kibble, I guess. That being said, it sounds like maybe a company in the CPG space, in particular one that's very comfortable with itself and really knows its story and really has its brand down, might have an advantage in going somewhere like the pet space where that is something that consumers are really, really looking for. What do you think are some of the other advantages a company used to operating in the CPG space might have if they're considering expanding into the pet space? I think you bring up a really good point. The ability to be able to leverage that existing brand equity in the market. That's huge. And when we were at the last pet industry show, we talked to people from brands that were human centric and have been dipping their toes into more of a diversified product portfolio, including pets. So I do think that a CPG brand with 
name recognition and certainly one that has a personality consumers can latch on to is already a step ahead, particularly if they're considered one of those high quality brands. I think that they can basically make the argument, listen, we're good enough for humans. So you at least we're as good enough for your pets. I know sometimes humans will actually sacrifice for their pets. We certainly have before. But that's a powerful statement for those who truly consider their pets part of the family. They want the best for them. We have seen in some instances, people will shortchange themselves to give their pets the best. And knowing that it's a brand that brings the quality, they can really leverage that. I do think that there are probably some other benefits to being in the space already, even if you're not in the pet space. From an audience data and buying behavior perspective, a lot of these CPG brands already know what people are shopping for. They know how they shop, where they shop, when they shop, but they also have their own data. If people have bought from them online or at the register, oftentimes, whether it's through loyalty apps or membership apps, they're able to track that. And they're able to ultimately apply that insight to the marketing for they're more pet-centric products. I think that the ones that have been really successful have gotten really good at owning the consumer experience from that very first insight you have about how you fit into that consumer's purchase funnel all the way down to converting a consumer into almost a brand activist. A good CPG brand that's established has built that journey all the way through everything from brand to purchase online, offline, finding ways to stay top of mind, top of feed, top of inbox, as well as looking for opportunities to provide continuing value. One of the brands, even though it is pet centric, that continues to stand out to me. And I think it's probably, if not the best, one of the best, and I may be biased, is Chewy. I just got a birthday card for them, not for me, but for one of my dogs. And it's always handwritten. They're always checking in. They're always sending emails. Some of them are sales, but some of them are information. They are very much a part of our purchase story as a family. And they've done a really good job of owning that entire customer experience, owning each touch point and making each one special in itself, but then also connecting it to the other touch points to tell that marketing story. The final thing is maybe the more obvious one, and that's simply that the relationships are already there with retailers. They may have an easier in, especially if they have been working with a retailer for a long time or have moved a lot of product with that retailer. They will most likely have an easier in getting certain products on the shelf. They'll have that trust. They'll have that clout. So you just talked about Chewy, which is obviously a company that's already in the pet space that does the communication thing incredibly well. What success stories do you know of involving a jump from human CPG to pet? Leaning on some of our conversations, we had a chance to sit down with multiple brands at the last pet show. And there were a number who were there for the first time because this was their first foray into producing for the pet market. One of them that stood out to me was Big Easy Blends. This was a manufacturer of slushies for humans. And they decided, all right, let's see what we can do from a product development standpoint. How can we translate? How can we augment what we're already doing, perhaps for the pet space, understanding that the market has really increased. So 
they decided to create a frozen non-dairy dessert for pets. And the idea really stemmed from the owner. The owner is in love with pets. I think has probably been considering it for a long time. Their dog loves frozen yogurt, but they always felt a little uncomfortable with giving the dog dairy. And since most dog desserts are made with dairy, I think the owner saw this as an opening for a healthy alternative in the market. So they developed My Pup Dog Slushies, and they've already gotten distribution. It's in Kroger, it's in Giant, you'll find it on Amazon. A good example of somebody who's made that leap Another one was North Coast Seafood. They have been working in the restaurant commercial industry for a while, supplying restaurants and retailers with fresh seafood, but they felt like there was a genuine lack of healthy fish for dogs in the market. That was a real concern. So it made sense to them, especially because their selling point is their ability to track from line to table or net to table because they own that whole chain. That was a, a selling proposition for them. You know where your dog's food is coming from. They control every step of production. And as a result, I think that they were uniquely positioned to make that pitch as a top quality, clean label seafood recipe for dogs. And those are two that really stood out to me. I think that they're two success stories, probably different in scale, but it makes a ton of sense. And you can really understand how the owner's thinking led to this. It's almost obvious at the end. Pets are people too. I think those are two great examples. I had the opportunity to speak to both of them at Global Pet Expo, and they're both so passionate about what they do and have already been doing in the human space. And it seemed like a natural progression for both of them to end up in the pet space. And they talk about it like that, as if this was just some kind of natural conclusion to their business strategy that they were already doing. So why not? also provide this kind of product to pets as well. And it also goes to show how many different entry points there can be in the pet food industry. Everything from treats like a dog slushy to a seafood-based pet food and everything in between. It seems like there are a million different ways that a human company could expand itself reasonably and logically into the pet space, even though the pet market is so mature it is also incredibly diverse. And I feel like that could be a benefit to companies looking to get in and probably one of the reasons why companies want to get in. Absolutely. If you have a product that scratches an itch that nobody else has scratched, if you have a product that already has some ethos to it, has the brand credibility, I think that you are well positioned to make a go in even a mature market. So we've talked about some of the advantages. We've talked about some success stories. What do you think are some of the challenges that there might be in expanding into the pet space? It's a good question. I think one of them, we've been talking about the importance of brand, but I think it cuts both ways. A well-known brand may also have a bit of an imagination gap to fill when it comes to convincing people that this foray into pet food makes sense. They're going to have to be able to prove that they know pets as well as they know people. 
I think there's also a learning curve. There's a nuance here when it comes to understanding the different motivators that move pet purchases versus people purchases. Are they willing to spend as much on pets? Do they experience a different type of emotional response? We can get really deep into the human psyche here. Is buying for your pet emotionally differentiated from buying for somebody else? And for me, I already said it's similar because pets are our family. But I also think we need to think about when someone is buying for a pet, how does it affect the way they see themselves even, which could be that differentiator. Those two in particular stand out for me. There's always going to be a learning curve. And when you can leverage what you already know, that's fantastic. But you also have to be comfortable knowing what you don't know. You, you can't walk in there thinking that you can just step and repeat in many ways, you can't necessarily say, all right, we've got the formula down, let's just roll with it. Because there's no guarantee that that will be the case. Do you think there might be any differences between the various segments of the pet food industry and a human company trying to get in? Like, might they have an easier time at the premium level, at the economy level, with treats? Do you think it makes any kind of difference where they're trying to bridge into a segment or does the research pretty much need to be the same and the learning curve would be the same no matter what? I think in situations where the product they're offering for pets is more closely aligned with what they're already creating for people. I think, again, if we think about the imagination gap, how far does a consumer have to go to get from human slushies to pet slushies? Is that a gap that can be closed? So I do think that certainly aligning your products as closely to the pet product as possible will help in some ways. Certainly from a premium standpoint, it behooves brands to move into that space because when we're looking at the lower tier stuff, we're looking at store brands already. It's a race to the bottom in terms of price and quality. And at that point, you're just kind of shuffling around a commoditized product. So I do think the people brands are most likely going to have the most to gain by leaning into that mid-tier or high-tier space. Before we wrap up, let's talk about strategy. Let's give people some strategy tips. Specifically speaking to either anybody in the human CPG space who is currently working on a strategy or considering the pet space, or for a company that has recently entered the pet space and could probably still use some tips, what do you think is the best strategy to succeed, to bridge that gap and succeed in both spaces and really make a name for yourself in the pet space? I think it starts with understanding if there's white space in the market right now. Is there a place for your idea to shine? Is there, like I said, an itch to scratch that hasn't been done by those who are already there? That takes a lot of soul searching, but I think it also takes a ton of consumer research because they're moving into a whole other audience target. And overall, the strategies for moving into a market the process is going to be similar to any other CPG process. There are certain tried and true best practices, but understanding your audience, understanding what their needs are and understanding how your product fits those needs is going to be essential. I think as part of that, you also need to thoroughly understand who your competitors are. 
your primary competitors and your secondary competitors. So for dry food, for example, it may be other dry foods that are your primary competitor, but then you look at some of the refrigerator fresh foods or some of the more science diet or particular need or niche diets. You need to understand where you fit with them as well. You need to see how your competitors are putting their message out there. You need to see where you can shine against a competitor. What can you do better than they can? But you also have to accept that there are going to be instances where they may outshine you and you have to be aware of that. And you have to be able to adjust your message accordingly. It's also helpful to see what others have done. Those who've made the journey before and emerged on the other side, I think reviewing success stories, all top seeing what were the steps that these brands took to go from more people-focused to pet-focused. You have to also truly understand the market, not only beyond the audience, but from the trends and innovations that are going on. You have to be able to see not only what's happening now and prepare for that, but you have to see where the winds are blowing in terms of buying habits, in terms of product preferences. You may be perfect for right now, but if you can't see two or three years ahead where the winds are blowing, it could end up being really a dead end. It's also worth it to talk to distributors and retailers and get kind of that on the ground look at what's happening, both in store and online and really determining what the why is. Why is this happening? I think you need to also identify what your leverage is. How do you translate your current brand's benefits into a different market? As I said before, is your message maybe it's good enough for people? It's good enough for your pet? Is it, we did this so well, now we're going to do something else well? Is it, you know our brand, meet our brand in a different way? I think you need to understand how your brand's going to serve as that segue into a new conversation with consumers. And then for me, I'm a huge fan of just getting it out there and testing. You don't have to go big right away. Put it out there in some small markets that resemble the demographics of the DMAs that you really want to target down the road. See how it performs. See what messaging is working. Try different messaging. Digital marketing has made it so easy to A-B test so many things. And at the same time, you may even be making a couple sales in the process. So test live and just see how it performs. That is a lot of solid advice, Matt. Well, thank you. And thank you so much for today's conversation. It is no secret that human trends often find themselves in the pet space. And it's also no secret that the pet arena is a very attractive place to be right now. I love being able to provide some insights to any company considering bridging that business gap or anybody who just entered the pet space and might still be looking for some tips on how to continue to succeed. Before we go, let's do a little plug. Where can people find you and where can people find Harvey Agency? You can find me personally on LinkedIn. As far as Harvey Agency, well, it's harveyagency.com. We've made it really easy. We've focused on the CPG industry for 35 years, and we are actively looking for brands that would like to make that leap. We've done a really good job of telling brand stories in beauty, in food and beverage, in lifestyle. And it's interesting that we haven't ventured very far into things like pet food because pets are a really 
critical part of who Harvey is. We have dog-friendly policy. In fact, there's no dog policy. The policy is bring your dog in if you want. Bring your cats in if you want. We've had both. It can be crazy, but it feels so good to really see that cuddly chaos. We've done a lot of work in the pet welfare space, particularly at the Baltimore Animal Care and Rescue Shelter. That's a huge passion point for us, everything from working on their website to supporting their marketing. So we would love to take that journey with you. If you are people-focused brand looking to focus on the four-legged people. Well, that is it for this episode of Trending Pet Food. You can find us on PetFoodIndustry.com, SoundCloud, or your favorite podcast platform. You can also follow us on Instagram at Trending Pet Food Podcast. Once again, I'm Lindsay Beaton, your host and editor of Pet Food Industry Magazine, and we'll talk to you next time. Thanks for tuning in. 